0: Welcome back. We are on day two of 14 Shifting Market Rules. These aren't really new rules. These are old rules. But for many of you, they are indeed new New rules. rules. (laughs) Indeed. Because you haven't been aware of these things because you've only been selling in one kind of market. As we transition into a more normal market, or at least a market with different types of headwinds, you're going to have to learn to adapt and change. In other words, you're going to have to learn new skills. And don't worry. You can do it. And none of these things uh, will cause you too much pain. I'm not saying they won't cause you any pain.
1: No, but I really believe that learning and using all of these skills in a shifting market, and to be honest, this is not a, a dramatically shifting market, Mm-mm. but these, I really believe from a coaching perspective and from having lived it with you for many years and many transactions, this is what makes great agents, being able to handle stuff like this and not just you know, choose the best contract.
0: I can tell you, I was thinking about this, what you just said actually after yesterday, well, during yesterday's pod and, and uh, after, and I was thinking back to all my um, most successful coaching clients, mm-hmm. and every single one of them made their uh, sowed their oats during a shifting market. There were, were mm-hmm. there were no exceptions. In other words, mm-hmm. they. I would say, got their stranglehold on their individual markets during a shifting market. Mm-hmm. They were they were the ones that were prospecting, say, for example, into buildings in downtown Miami uh, when everyone else thought the buildings were never going to sell. And they were basically just going to be pushed into the ocean, You know those types of things. And then sure enough, the market turns around and they have dominant market share. I was thinking about Howard in Hawaii, who, same thing, markets started to shift in Hawaii um, you know, as it often does there unfortunately. And then what happened is all the agents that were, and this was when he was a newish agent, he had no market share. and all the agents there that were essentially the uh, the dug in types, you know, had been there forever, centers of influence, past client types, knew everybody and sold all the houses. They didn't know what to do in the shifting market. They didn't have the skill set. They had washed out and Howard got market share. in every example of all my top clients that had historically mm-hmm. same thing. It's very rare, and this is an unfortunate truth, but it's very rare that you find a top agent that's actually able to adapt and change into a new type of market. And the reason is is because, and this is true with all businesses by the way, not just real estate. The reason is, is because they carry the legacy costs from the previous business model into, or they try to essentially carry those same business costs into the new business model, even though the new business or what the market is demanding of a new business model or an updated business model doesn't necessitate all those expenses. And you can see it, for example, in, let me just across the board, if you just think about this intuitively, if you're carrying a bunch of expenses that are associated with buying buyer leads, and last month, the buying, I didn't tell you this, last Mm -hmm. month, the number of um, people applying for new purchased contracts, not refinances, Mm -hmm. fell 12%. Yeah. So if you're in the market uh, as an agent and or a broker, and you're primarily focused on buying uh, buyer leads and working with buyers, and you're spending that money and you think, well, I just need to generate more buyer leads, so I'm going to spend even more money. What's going to happen is you're going to slow the sinking of your ship, but it's still going down. Because really what uh, this market's going to necessitate is an entirely different approach to um, the real estate business. And that is uh, something that not very many people are willing to do. Why? Because it requires a little bit of sucking it up. It requires a little bit of having to go back to school. It requires a little bit of having to make themselves acknowledge the fact that maybe they didn't have the skill set that they thought they had. And egos and agents and you know humanity doesn't do well with that. So that's why in this type of market you'll see A lot of new agents or maybe agents that have been sort of waiting in the tall grass for a market shift, right? You'll see those agents that will start rolling in and they'll start kicking some serious butt because of the fact that they're willing to do what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level, whereas the older generation of agents are more dug in and more complacent.
1: That's right. And as yeah, I think you, you and I have both become kind of introspective about different types of markets as we see this shift happening. And I was as well, you were talking about coaching clients. I was also thinking about our hair certified coaches because 100% of them have been through a variety of different types of markets and market conditions and yep. trends. And that makes me really proud as a coaching organization that we have that uh, breadth of experience.
0: Right. I mean, you would, It's one thing to be able to sell. We're not going to say, well, I will say it. Selling in this past market was easy compared to the market we're going into. It did not require that much skill because of the fact there was such a massive incentive for people to transact. The massive incentive came from the really amazingly low interest rates, the uh, FOMO was everywhere with buyers with sellers if you owned a home you now had a golden ticket if you wanted to yeah. if you didn't own a home or if you didn't own ten homes right you wanted to own more because then you could get your own golden tickets you guys and you get, could
1: count on it selling right away that I know it seems normal but right it is not normal <laughs> That's okay. right. so the
0: so. point of the point of it is this is that the market starts to adjust and buyers take themselves out of the market as evidenced by the falling number of people getting uh, you know doing mortgage applications for the sake of purchasing a home you're going to see that the agents who are Able to you know survive and in many cases uh, do quite well in the previous market they're the ones that are going to suffer the most because they don't adjust uh, they don't change they wait for the market to return to the way it was they wait for the old operating system that they have developed to become relevant again and what they don't realize is the world is demanding a new OS be loaded into their op into their hard drive and they resist it and you know what happens what happens on your own com- your own computer or your iPhone if you stop updating with the latest OS. Eventually your apps are going to stop working, right? Eventually you're not going to be able to do anything and it's going to constantly lock up. Well, maybe that's not the best of analogies, but it is relevant because that's what unfortunately is going to happen to a lot of real estate practitioners. So do something about it. Now, before we get to our next point, which is point number five, which is I think, you know, probably one of the most salient points we could possibly Mm -hmm. be sharing with these guys. I want to thank all of you for the five-star reviews on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Spotify. It means the world to us. And again, we're going to do our best to make sure every single person, our, our staff, is, is looking at all the reviews and you know, I would say uh, judging all of them. And those of uh, who did a great job are going to get an autographed version of our, our autographed copy of our uh, best-selling book, Harris Rules. So far, I have to say, everybody looks like a winner to me. Wink, wink. Okay. So um, yes, if you would like to leave us a five-star review and a pithy comment, we'd certainly appreciate it on iTunes or Spotify. And again, it does mean the world to Julie and I when you guys show appreciation for all the um, hard work we put into the podcast. I know this morning when I woke up, Already, and we're at East Coast time, there were already like five or 6,000 agents that had downloaded and listened to the podcast by like 7 a.m. that day. So that tells me there's a lot of agents that are listening to what Julie and I have to say and a lot of agents that are appreciating the fact that we are hopefully going to be a bit of a beacon in the storm that we're all in so you guys have a sense of direction when you're walking through the fog cloud. All right, Jules, let's get to point number five
1: all right so this is part two of 14 rules for the shifting market remember our job is to educate you that's what we're doing now to motivate you that you can deal with this shifting market and most importantly to get you into action so point number five if the seller has to sell you have to take the listing how do you know if they have to sell that means you also have to be using your seller pre-qualification script but here's the point. Don't lose the listing over being adamant about your price, even if your price is probably more accurate than their price. The market still has enough buoyancy, enough demand that you may still be able to achieve that seller's higher price, again, within reason.
0: Now, that's a weird rule because the normal rule is, obviously, the still the relevant rule is, Pre qualify the seller, use our pre qualifying script, know exactly why the seller is selling, know all the nuanced reasons why they're selling. Not always do they tell you the complete truth about why they're selling. So you have to use our pre qualifying quest, uh, questions. Remember, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. And if you will, I had a great text from somebody yesterday, and I'm sure he's listening. And he was saying, I went on this listing appointment. I thought I had it locked up. I followed the steps. I did everything right, but they ended up listing with the agent that they'd used forever in the past. And I just sent them back three questions. Did you know you were competing? And then I put in brackets because I already knew the answer. No. Did you send the pre-listing pack? I didn't. I just put a question mark on that one. Did you confirm they sent the pre-listing pack or read the pre-listing pack? And then last question I asked them was, uh, did you make sure you were, once you found out you were competing, had you asked the question, did you know that you were, uh, did you position yourself to go last when competing? And he, his response back was, I guess I have a lot to learn because <laughs> he realized he didn't okay. follow the actual listing process. This is something that's on our websites for our, our premier coaching clients. You guys have got to be following all the steps. Don't skip a step. Don't just think because you listed some houses for your centers of influence and past clients, you know what the heck you're doing in a market like this. Because remember, in a market like this, what's going to happen? is the sellers are naturally going to migrate towards the agents who are more professional, even if they do not have a personal relationship with them. That is really critical that you understand this. And I understand nobody else in the industry is telling you that. I understand that everyone else is telling you that they're going to just basically list with centers of influence. You know, sellers are going to choose people that they know, love, and care about. Yes, those people are going to have first bite of the apple, but that doesn't mean they're going to get the listing necessarily if they don't have the skill set you could actually go in there as someone who uh, you know, proactively lead generated the lead and they have no previous relationship, you followed our script, you set the appointment, you send the pre-list, you, you know, pre-qualified, you sent the pre-listing pack, you did everything, textbook, and the other people could be long-standing real estate friends with these sellers, and you will win the listing because the seller is going to be nervous about who they're gonna list the house with because they know the market's changing. Again, that's the blessing of a market like this. Now, a second ago, I said that the agents who are more experienced are the ones that I'm most worried about except if those agents who are more experienced get their heads out of their butts before it's too late and decide to really get their skills on, and then they become, they're basically Navy SEAL real estate professionals. Don't wait too long to realize that you need to reset your software. You need to load new operating system. One of the best ways for you to do that is to become one of our premier coaching clients. We are told that it's the nation's number one coaching system, and this does offer a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Premier coaching includes all of our scripts, all of our systems. It includes all of our checklists, all of our everything. This is the complete real estate system that's been proven to work in every single market, every single price, uh, every single market condition, every single price point, as I was just trying to say, every single sort of economic you know, headwind. We've been developing this system over the last two decades. This isn't something we just threw together. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, which all of you should be, text the word PREMIER to 47372. Text the word PREMIER, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, to 47372. And remember, message and data rates may apply. I want to put a little bit of uh, finishing touches on point number five, all right? So here's the deal. When you pre-qualify the seller... You're gonna have asked all the questions, you're gonna know what their motivation is. What Julie was saying, it's really important, that in a market like this, unlike say for example, a very distinct buyer's market, the seller can still have, I would say, sketchy motivation, mm-hmm. and you still have to take the listing. The seller can still slightly overprice the house, and you should still take the listing. The house could still have you know, bad location or not even great look uh, condition, and you should still take the listing. We're not yet to the point where you have to really be drilled down on those things. But be aware that it the market can change and probably will start adjusting really quickly i'm guessing in about 60 to 90 days mm-hmm. where all those things are going to be relevant and julie and i will really be drilling down on this podcast and with our coaching clients how to really you know be professionals at the scripts don't wait obviously start learning that stuff now so you don't have to catch up with the market but in the meantime when you are offered a listing take the damn listing every okay. single time point number six that's
1: right and so that point is subject to change with the market right yes so point number six since point number five, brush off your price reduction scripts. And I wrote, wait, what? You don't have any because you've never needed them? Yikes. Well, yes, it is possible in today's market to actually overprice a listing and have it sit on the market. Now, for some of you, that means two weekends instead of two seconds, but this is called aspirational pricing and it is the number one reason we see expireds virtually every day. So don't let it happen to you. Yes, there is this thing called price reduction scripts. Of course, that's something that we do in coaching. You, you know, the general rule is two weeks or 10 showings. If you don't have an offer you're working on that probably will be accepted, you need to adjust the price, not slice or reduce. Well, so
0: I want you to pick up on what Julie was saying. These are all basically the types of scripts that professional uses. You don't say overpriced. You say aspirational pricing. You don't say lower your price. Never say lower your price. You say lower your price uh, to any seller. They're going to hate you forever, even if they think, even if you think (laughs) they don't. You tell them they need to reposition the house in the market to correctly reflect the buyer's expectations. These are all the nuanced approaches to having conversations with, um, you know, essentially with your sellers so that they're receptive to what you're trying to explain to them. Do you guys remember the other day when we told you that what happens in a market like this is you have to be kind of 50 percent, you know, uh, psychologist, Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. and you have to be 50 percent real estate professional? Well, these are where all these little, this little phraseology that Julie and I developed over the years comes in. Because sellers are going to be triggered by words that sound offensive to them. For And you guys think people are you know uh, politically correct about different social causes? Well, trust me when I tell you, if you want to see a really triggered person, go tell a seller they need to lower their price.
1: Cut their price, slash their price, reduce their price. None <laughs> of this is okay.
0: Especially in a market like this. Especially. They're, they're going to cancel you, literally.
1: <laughs> exactly, no bueno. So remember, these are rules for the shifting market. In a shifting market... It can seem like, you know, three weeks on the market is a really long time. Assuming that we get more inventory and the days in the market stretch out, eventually this will normalize. But right now, you don't want to overcorrect and freak out your prospects.
0: Well, what's really good is that there's going to be, let's say there are, I mean, this is not necessarily good on the surface, but it is good overall. Um, You are going to have more opportunities to sell houses to uh, obviously buyers that maybe were priced out or weren't competitive enough as this market starts to adjust. And like I said, new purchase applications are down 12%. Um, Month over month, well, that means that there's still probably at least the same number of homes coming for sale. But now, hypothetically, there's going to be 12% fewer buyers to buy them, which means that your buyer's going to have more of an opportunity to actually acquire a house. Now, remember what we told you yesterday? Do not promise any of your buyers that you're going to get them a deal or beat the seller up or you're somehow going to, you know, somehow the shoe's on the other foot. There is no other foot. There is no other shoe. It's still a seller's market. Be clear about that. And if you use these hackish, amateurish approaches to try to get the buyer to work with you by promising, the lying to the buyer that somehow miraculously you're going to be the one agent that knows how to get the buyer a deal in a seller's market. Well, you don't deserve to win and nor will you win if the seller does or if the buyer does work with you. They're not going to work with you long when they realize that they're losing houses. This is still a seller's market. When it is not a seller's market, you will know. Julie and I are monitoring it. It has to do with days in the market. It has to do with less to sell price ratio. It has to do with absorption rates. Julie and I are studying different markets through Julie's private clients. We're studying different markets around the country. I assure you, if there's any meaningful change in the market, we're gonna tell you. So far, no indication that there is. And this is leading edge information. We're not waiting around for Realty Track or NAR or yeah. whoever else, the you know St. Louis Fed or, Whatever. We're not waiting for any of these normal sources to come out with reporting data because they're reporting the past we, through our coaching clients, and we have thousands of coaching clients that are reporting back to us. And frankly, Julie's private clients. We are paying attention to what's happening in all these different markets because that is leading edge information. That's how Julie and I know what we know. All right. Point number seven. Seven.
1: Yes. Always speak to the listing agent when you're representing buyers. Don't move that one. I won't. Don't lose it over being. I'm sorry. You you're right there. Okay, yes, okay, sorry. Uh, Find out what's most important to the sellers. Other than price, which is obvious, what will make your buyers the buyers? The buyers who are still in the market after higher rates are more serious and probably more qualified. So assume that you will still be competing for most of the time. Unless you're on to something that's like 120 days on the market, and listing agent says, you know, sellers just found their motivation. Assume, and even then, you're not going to know that unless you're talking to the listing agent. Well,
0: Let's walk them through this. Let's make it practical. So yeah. you're working with, it doesn't, look, it could, you're a buyer's agent. It, you know, you're trying to get a buyer a house. One of the stupidest things you can do is just send the offer in and, and be pissed off when the uh, listing agent doesn't respond to you. What you need to do, and there's a little art and science to this, is you need to uh, call that listing agent up and ask specifically what the most important things are be it you know you guys hopefully have some people skills um you're talking to a you know a compatriot here so it shouldn't be that difficult find out what's matter what's most important to a seller now an inexperienced listing agent will act like they're you know playing, you know, some sort of high stakes poker in Las Vegas and go, I'm not allowed to tell you anything about my seller. I can't tell you anything. It's a super secret. No, that's an immature, inexperienced listing agent. And that's going to be something that's going to be more work. But for the most part, the listing agents that you're going to be working with in a market, hopefully are more experienced. And they're going to then say to you, well, these are the things that are most important. You go on a little fishing expedition, Mr. Seller, Mr. Listing Agent, rather, what matters to your buyer, your sellers? See, even saying the word buyers, doesn't even, <laughs> no, it doesn't even, show up, doesn't the it? word doesn't form in my mouth. <laughs> All right. So Mr. Listing Agent, what is most infor- uh, important to your uh, sellers. sellers? Thank you. Um, is it the time after closing? Is it price? Is it like, what is it that, you know, is it, do they want certain items in the house to remain in the house or they want to take those, uh, those certain things? Is it they want to skip an inspection? Please help me, coach me a little bit. Mr. All-Powerful Listing Agent and tell me what it is that will really make my offer a home run offer uh, in the eyes of your sellers. You can do that, you can ask questions like that. If you're dealing with an inexperienced agent, the fishing expedition is gonna require a little bit more casting. That's where you're gonna have to ask more, you know, nicely direct questions. Like ideally, so I can write this offer so it's most appealing to your seller, when would your sellers like to have uh, give up possession of the house? Mm-hmm. How many days after closing do they want to have possession of the house? Obviously, there's- Maybe no... a
1: lease back or something like that.
0: Exactly. In some cases, they're going to want to lease back for six months and your sellers or your buyers are going to get the house because of the fact that they're willing to stay in their rental for six months and well, the- Seller to do a rent back at their mortgage payment uh, of the house that they're purchasing. Whatever it takes, this is how you have to be creative and work a little harder. Um, Don't worry about uh, asking questions that are somehow going to offend the listing agent because the listing agent wants to get the house in contract too. And by the way, you're asking questions that will make the listing agent's job easier when it comes to negotiating the contract because you're delivering an offer to them that already has all the deal points that uh, they know their sellers want. Now, here's a little um, surprise that most of you will experience, especially those of you who are new, rarely, and this is shocking but true, is the price the most important thing to the seller. Rarely is the price the most important thing to the seller. That's the reason also that when you call around a new listing that you've just taken or even one that you didn't take but it's a new listing and you're door knocking or you're calling the neighbors and you're letting them know about the market value of the homes for sale or the market value of the neighborhood – rarely do they have any clue what their house is worth. People don't follow money like you think they do. Mm-hmm. Just because you're in the real estate business, just because you're constantly aware of property values does not mean any other human on planet Earth other than people with real estate licenses are thinking like you. Never think that money is the most important to people thing to people. And you know that it's not... Money is not the most important thing to people. Otherwise, there'd be more rich people. Many people will put convenience and hassle-free way ahead of money. Like money maybe is top five, but certainly not one, two, or three.
1: That's very true. Now here's a little secret for all of you who are going to have to be doing this, calling the listing agent when you're on the buyer's side and finding out what the bullet points are that'll make your buyers win that listing agent is going to be way more likely to give you all those details if and when you front load that with your buyer's uh, loan commitment letter and or a call from their lender.
0: We talked about that yesterday. Go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. We are going to do, Jules, you know the uh, ultimate addendum thing? Yes. We should do a pod all around that. Yes, all will. right, so we're going to go to point, point number, number eight. eight? Yes, eight. Go ahead.
1: Okay, point number eight, and this is fresh off of coaching calls, by the way, expect more appraisal issues. Yes, you can still negotiate the appraisal gap and those clauses, but you need to be even more careful that the buyer can actually handle the difference because the appraisal gap is starting to grow. Expect it to get bigger as the market shifts. Lenders are already tightening their requirements and being more picky in the past week and a half. I have heard probably five or six different uh, appraisal gap cases ranging from 10,000 to 120,000. How
0: many of our listeners right now do you honestly... Think have any clue what we what you just read to them? Honestly, well,
1: I'm going to do a whole podcast about appraisal gaps (laughs) because that's a whole wild animal in itself.
0: So here's what's happening to break it down to the the basics. Right, is that you will put a house in contract, and the uh, average sale, the average what was it, five oh seven, right? Wasn't that the average sale price right now? Yep. Is five hundred and seven thousand. So let's say that's what it appraises for five hundred and seven. But let's say for you to get the house, for your buyers to get the house, they had to put it in contract for say. I don't know, 520, let's just say. Whatever, right? So the contract price is 520. The appraisal comes in at 507. What you're going to see is the lenders and their appraisers, they're going, uh, they still obviously post housing crash, they stick to their appraisal numbers. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen is the prices are not just going to automatically be adjusted up like they have been in anticipation of additional inflation um, or appreciation. They don't know the rate of monthly appreciation or inflation. So what's going to happen is the appraisals are going to become less buoyant. Now, to Julie's point, Your buyer is going to have to pay the difference in cash unless, of course, the seller can do a second mortgage, which we did a podcast about that, but let's just assume cash. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to write a check, pay additional money at closing between 507 and 520. That's what Julie's talking about. So they're going to have to come up with an additional 13 grand in order to secure the property, and that is not something that's going to be easily absorbed into the transaction. No, essentially, the appraisal won't cover it. You know, you guys know, or maybe you don't know, but when you are doing... um, their appraisal will oftentimes ask for the purchase contract, want to see what the prices are, and magically, especially in the market we're leaving, the price of the, the appraisal would match the contract price. They're so damn close it doesn't matter. Those are the types of things that start to change in a market like this. Well, so
1: the difference now is instead of that lender saying, well, you're in contract at 507, it came in, I'm sorry, at 5, say, 20. But we're only appraising it at 507 which is about what you're in contract for well maybe we only think it's worth 500 so the gap is growing and here is the specific issue some of you guys have gotten yourselves into you write that your buyer will make up the difference in appraisal okay an appraisal gap clause most mls's have that right okay so your buyer says i'll make up the difference thinking that oh there's no way it's going to be off by that much i can swing five or ten grand Then it comes in 20 or 25 grand low, and now your buyer has to dip into their down payment money thus unqualifying themselves from actually being able to close and breaking the contract
0: and julie's point number nine but this is leading perfectly into it what that is also going to create are a lot of buyers this is the reason one of the many reasons we tell you to focus on sellers by the way a lot of buyers are going to bail on contracts because of the fact that they're going to say well the appraisal came in low why would i want to pay more and they're going to catch the fear of falling knives that's a way of essentially saying they're gonna have a psychological resistance paying up for the house because they're going to think that they're going to basically be overpaying and, you know, maybe they're reading in MSNBC or whatever, whatever that the sky's falling. They're going to believe it. They're going to back out of contracts. A lot of you are going to suffer a lot of buyers that are flaking out of contracts, going back to a podcast that we've done before, but we'll do again, how to make sure you're only working with AAA motivated, absolutely locked in best of breed buyers because those are the types that even if they're facing a appraisal issue, they're gonna step through that uh, loop and they're gonna do whatever it takes to get the house.
1: Well, and remember too, instead of just killing the deal, if your borrower in this situation, so the first thing is don't get your borrower into that situation in the first place, but if you find yourself there, if they have a sizable down payment and they still qualify credit-wise and ratios and employment and everything else, change the loan instead of killing the deal if they're putting 30 percent down and they have to close a twenty thousand dollar you know appraisal gap or not close go back to the lender and say assuming that they still have everything else in alignment maybe they only need to put 20 percent down the average uh first time buyer even that we all think is putting 20 percent down the average first-time buyer puts down 12 or 13 percent.
0: Well, also the loan that that lender put that borrower into might not be the best loan for what's available in the marketplace. And again, we talked about this too. Loan officers are going to be your best friend or the bane of your existence because they're generally speaking only going to have experience in the same market that we're we're sort of leaving right now. And they're not going to have a wide variety of different loan products. So if your borrower doesn't fit into say two or three different of the buckets that they offer, they're going to say, well, this is the only role. This is the only loan we've got. And because frankly, you're not experienced enough to then look to see what other loan products are out there. You've never explored government loans. You never, like for example, let's say they're in a traditional conventional loan right now. And let's say the one of them happens to be a veteran. And let's say the seller would take a VA contract. Well, VA only requires like single digits down, 3-5% or whatever. But your uh, existing loan officer is telling your borrower that they need 20% down, and by the way, they're not a, a government they're not a VA lender. So that existing loan officer can't do VA loans, so they can't even offer that veteran the opportunity to do a veteran uh, to do a VA loan, whereas they could have used the money they're going to use as a down payment to cover that appraisal gap. This is where professionals shine in markets like this.
1: Yes, that is uh, lovingly known by Grizzled Veterans as deal saving, which most of our listeners have not had to do a whole lot of. When you guys look up to some of these really experienced agents that know the ins and outs, like our hair certified coaches, for example, and you say you know how how do you know all that stuff it's because they've lived through a variety of markets and they have actually had to honest to god save deals when it, when an agent says you know i picked up the loan package from lender a and delivered it to lender b and switched the borrower's loan this is the type of thing we're talking about the only reason you would do that is to save a deal uh, the, most of our listeners are too quick to let deals die because many, they don't have the creative knowledge to do it.
0: How many coaches, trainers, office managers, brokers have only been in business since 2007 or 2008? Most of them. They have no clue how to do creative deals because they haven't had to. It's not exactly. their fault. They basically right. were, the market didn't demand it.
1: Saved by the market. Yes.
0: Exactly. Well, the, they were rising to the expectations that the market, I'm being blessed uh,
1: by a hot seller's market. Okay,
0: Julie's being more direct than I am, which I appreciate. <laughs> You're blessed by a hot seller's market. And it changing market let alone a market that we're entering into and you guys are already experiencing it uh believe what we're saying or experience it when you're out there in the field and you're losing deals. The reality of it is, is this new market. If you're not working with someone that's actually been through them, just ask whoever you're thinking about asking advice from, oh, by the way, how long have you been licensed? If you find anybody that's been licensed for more than 10 years, first of all, that's probably a weirdo like Julie and I, right? <laughs> right? But then ask them the next question. Okay. So how many houses have you sold? Like if someone's been in the business for like 15 years, they probably have got some good experience. Ask them how successful they've been. You've got to be more discerning who you're seeking advice from. You've got to be more discerning of who you're listening to. Um, And uh, look, we could go on our soapbox, but I'm not going to because Julie's got to get to a coaching call. I've got a great next point, which is (laughs) point number nine. The bottom line is be very, very careful. Free YouTube coaches are free for a reason. Hey, there's an idea for Mm you. Point number nine.
1: You got it. All right. Point number nine, expect buyers to be more and more nervous. This will manifest in a shift towards their negotiating power if there are fewer offers on the same property. Now, remember I said if there are fewer offers, that means you had to call the listing agent and find out. Inspections will start to matter again. I'm seeing this already. And free seller lease bags may dry up. So you're going to see these types of shifts. Now, notice that nowhere in any of our points have we said that houses will stop selling or houses are going to take 90 or 120 days to sell. The shifts that we're talking about are micro shifts like you Know what your buyers actually get to have an inspection now, or the seller doesn't get to have six months of free lease back. We're going to negotiate that back.
0: Actually, I was going to say this a second ago yeah. you don't write your offers like it was last year. In some cases, you don't have to put escalation clauses in your contracts, right. you don't have to put uh, you know, wait, appraisal, appraisal wa- waivers, you don't have to put um, inspection waivers, you don't have to do all these. Uh, deal types of deal points. you were putting in deals before because of the fact the market's changed. You don't have to be that aggressive, uh, you know, because frankly, the sellers are going to have to accept more. They're going to have to give more for the sake of getting their houses in contract. Ask the listing agent, what's important to the seller. You have to make that contact first, bond with them talk with them, make them know that you're not a flake. Let them know that you've actually qualified your buyer and you've actually had the buyer up and down the financial mountain and the lending is completely approved. And if your buyers aren't that strong, then get them to be that strong cuz most listing agents, anybody's been in the business for any sort of, you know, frankly more than, you know, 14 years since the real estate since 2007-2008, anybody's been in the market for a while, they are going to know what we're saying from having learned it the hard way, from having learned that they should never accept uh, buyer offers from you know buyers that are not basically completely approved. All these little nuanced things are what you guys learn in coaching. All these little nuanced things are the things that if you don't know uh, how to apply those things before you're actually experiencing it, you're going to lose deals. It's going to cost you too much. Waiting to learn what we're telling you is the truth is going to cost you far, far too much. And that's just the unfortunate truth. But we also know it's human behavior not to actually make changes until your back's in a corner. That's how most people operate. That's how the world operates. That's basically, you know, people being complacent.
1: Yeah, you got to lose something first.
0: A lot of somethings first, usually. So don't be like that. Take action now. Get ahead of the market. You know in your heart and soul the direction the market's going. You can see it. You can hear it. You can smell it. You can feel it. It's all the way around you. Be excited about it because this could be the best market ever because you have the skill set because you know what to do, because you love being of service to other people. And if that's true, if that those words resonate with you, then the way for you to be of service to more people, the way for you to be the highest level of service to more people is have more skills that you can offer them, know how to solve their problems, The people who solve more problems for other people are the ones that make the most money in life, not just in real estate. Hopefully you guys know that already. Or if you don't, you now know it, so make sure you apply it. One of the best ways for you to learn the skills for being a really powerful practitioner in this market, obviously, is to join Premier Coaching. Text the word Premier. To four seven three seven two, text the word premiere to four seven three seven two. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Text the word premiere to four seven three seven two. Remember, guys, uh, if you want to have any submit any questions to us or suggestions, please do. You two ways of doing it. Uh, the first way is what most of you enjoy doing. Go over to Instagram and follow us at Tim and Julie Harris. Uh, Tim and Julie Harris, obviously our name and and is spelled out. And then also you could look at our pictures. Julie and I usually put up pictures of us working out because so many of you sort of seem to enjoy Julie and I being. Um, suffering. <laughs> yesterday we did Mesa's, that was terrible.
1: It was, I'm sore from that. Mesa's yeah.
0: and kettlebells and just ugh. ugh. basically like Guantanamo <laughs> Bay level workout every day. Yep. Any of that, so you can go over there and pop over there and, and you know when I guess when people see other people suffering, they They say, well, if they can do it, I can do it.
1: I think so. Maybe that's what it
0: is. Anyway, so you can message us through Instagram. And if you have any questions or show topic ideas or anything like that, or if you'd like to communicate with us directly, you can always text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Yes, that is my real cell phone. And yes, please do remember, Julie and I are proudly associated with eXp Realty. And if you're looking for a sponsor for eXp Realty, which will, you know, Julie and I will obviously be very proactive in your success at eXp Realty, we would appreciate the opportunity to, and honor, frankly, of being your sponsor at eXp Realty, please text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. If you're in the process of joining eXp Realty and you haven't selected a sponsor um, and you want to choose Julie, just put in Julie Harris. Um, and Georgetown, Texas, you'll understand when you're filling out the application, they'll ask for your sponsor's name, Julie Harris in the town, uh, Georgetown, Texas, where she and I used to live before we and our family moved to Dorado, Puerto Rico. But in the meantime, if you want to ask me any questions about EXP Realty, just text me directly at 512 In the meantime, guys, thank you for keeping this the number one, listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals, and at least the United States have a fantastic day.